Hey folks, thanks for joining me this week. I have the updates from DCI with Desiree Tinoco, and I have the latest on the Irene Gakwa case, and I also plug a special event that I hope you can find time to come to next Thursday. I'm Renee Nelson, and this is Unsolved Wyoming. We met up with Stacy Coaster, and she's got a group of women that are advocates for this case, and they've done several searches, and some of the family of Irene's. Nice to meet all of them in person and see all the great work they've done for that case. I think without Stacy, that case uh, wouldn't have gotten nearly any attention. We see that time and time again with missing persons cases. So it's great to see a community kind of come behind and rally for this missing woman, especially given that the majority of her family is not in the U.S., not able to attend and, you know, push for this kind of coverage. So we went into the courtroom. There was a, it was a pretty full courtroom for this plea change. And he, he came in, I got some good footage of him. I don't think he was too happy to see me and I'm sure had no idea who I was. Pled guilty to three of the five felony charges to do this plea agreement. It was just a really good good thing to see that the family doesn't have to go through this now if he's you know pleading guilty obviously they don't have to deal with details in the case uh you know just emotionally draining especially given that he still hasn't been charged with her disappearance or murder at this time right i i there's so many things right and so first i think him seeing a lengthy jail sentence for these felony charges of fraud is is huge and so even if he isn't and has not been brought up on charges yet right and and i use the word yet because you and i were talking before we started recording we both know that there was a pretty huge raid of his residence with warrants that are still sealed from by both the FBI and local law enforcement. And so we have not heard anything from that raid. And so it's still possible that other charges could be coming still. We just don't know, right? And so that's kind of hard to sit in as people who care about Irene's case, but I'm sure for her family as well. So to see some type of momentum in terms of that he is being punished, charged and punished, for what he has committed and and is provable by court and he's going to be spending a significant amount of time in prison I think is a win not the win that we want to see because obviously there's some pretty serious stipulations or you know things here in play that definitely point to he has something to do with her disappearance but is still going to be sitting in prison for a long time yeah, I think with missing persons cases that have gone on, I mean, I think she's been missing for just over a year now. There's never right. happy endings. I even even when people come home, sadly, a lot of times they've been through some horrible things, and it's hard not to speculate with a case like this. The odds of her 
not being alive, the odds of him having something to do with it. I hate to speculate uh, normally on cases, but this one just seems sadly so obvious, you know, that he's clearly done something to harm her. And it's so unfortunate for the family to go through this court process waiting and not knowing what the next step is and how things are going to go. The anticipation, I can't imagine. I could never deal with that. And, you know, seeing them at court so calm and put together was, you know, just a miracle in itself because I don't think I could uh, carry myself with such poison composure. They, you know, they really have been through just the worst thing I could imagine to see a family member just disappear and not knowing if he is going to be charged with any typically missing persons cases, as we all know, don't get that kind of attention. And so I'm just so grateful for that. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how things pan out with this and, and hopefully maybe, you know, maybe sitting in prison he'll break down and he, he might, his thoughts might eat away at only time will tell on that. Right. Right. I, I think that's, yeah, exactly. Only time will tell. And, and that's hard for, for anybody, but Again, one of the most amazing things about this case that I just continue to come back to is the support that the community, the Gillette community has provided the family. And so Stacey Kester and her group have done search multiple searches all through their own resources and they're, you know, committing their own time and trying to help with this, this mystery, essentially. And so, and I think, you know, I've done... Obviously, the first episode of the podcast is Irene's story, but then also I did a follow up with Stacy and her group, and I I wasn't lying when I said that if something ever happens to me, if I go missing, please call her. <laughs> so because she <laughs> brings such a passion and dedication to Irene's story, and I think it's very clear that she is you know, a crusader for, for the missing. And so a speci- specifically we can get behind a computer, we can get behind our cell phone, you know, we can sure. binge Netflix and, you know, <laughs> kind of tune it all out. And so I think we, more women like Stacy, more people like Stacy, missing persons could potentially need to. Yeah. I, about and seen. Well, and I think I've said this before on the podcast and, and, you know, anytime I'm interviewed about this, I, I feel like people forget how much they can do makes an impact if you have just even a few hours a week, you know, um, to that can make a huge difference for not just missing persons, but your community. Or if you see like a minority that's not doing well in a specific area and you have a passion for that, even if you don't have the knowledge, I had no knowledge, um, you know, going into this whatsoever. And I know Stacy didn't either. You have to get your start somewhere. And there's always somebody that can use the help. It's not always fun work, but it is very rewarding at the end of the day to know like, oh, I didn't just sit on my phone and play video games or binge watch TikTok, which I still do, but not as much because <laughs> I have something else going on, right? right. Um, it's just giving, you know, you just got to give yourself the credit that like I can do this and it can make a difference. And it's a perfect example. I think if it wasn't for that group, um, just spreading the awareness. I don't think, uh, any of these stories outside of, I think Jen, she does all the missing person stories for our whole state. Right. Uh, but I don't think any of these stories would be getting done if it wasn't for that group of women. I think there was probably about, I don't know, 12 or 15 of them that showed up. 
on a work day, whereas a lot of people can't be there. So I'm sure more people would have come if they had the opportunity. Um, but it was wonderful to see, you know, this, and they all have their shirts and their little flyers they're waving and, you know, taking pictures with the family and being supportive and getting, I, they got covered by CNN, which is wonderful. You know, I, I don't think I've ever seen a missing persons case get covered by CNN before here in Wyoming. So, right. I mean, yeah. I don't think they've paid attention to our state since uh, Matthew Shepard. So it's great to see uh, that kind of attention on, you know, such a otherwise such a really sad story. It's so frustrating to see it just play out in real time and know that there's nothing you can do to get it to go any faster. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. The, you know, obviously Matthew Shepard, Amy Robechtel, right, is the other missing persons case that is probably the most famous mm-hmm. from Wyoming, you know, and then, um, you know, Gabby I, Petito. I and obviously Gabby Petito. And yeah. so I, I think you're right. I think that it is something that we don't get that type of coverage. And so, yeah, CNN covered, people covered. I mean, it's been pretty incredible the amount of coverage this story has gotten. And and I think it does show to law enforcement doing their part as well, you know, in terms of that they were able to find something to bring charges against Nathan, even if it isn't the charges that we all hoped for. Sure. And, and, and I think that's what matters is that regardless of the charges, there are charges and he is going to prison. Right. And that I think is what you know what needed to happen here yeah i mean understanding and respect respecting the protocol of law enforcement they don't always get it right but the majority of agencies not just throughout wyoming but you know throughout the country they try to to solve cases that's what they're there for now they're human they make mistakes sometimes you know things go wrong However, that's when I think it's a perfect opportunity for podcasters and nonprofits and boots on the ground to assist without getting in the way and understanding and respecting there is a process. There's a reason they have that process in place and ask questions. It's fine to ask, uh, you know, call up local agencies. Why isn't this being done? How can we help get this done? Um, And being respectful about it when you do so and not trying to waste their time because obviously they have other cases to work on. If I had it my way, the state would be broke dealing with missing persons cases. Uh, It's, you know, a money pit, sadly, when it comes to those. You're not, there's no revenue that gets brought in by them. And a lot of times um, there's a lot of man hours that go, I don't want to say wasted, but without answers, uh, you know, search efforts and um, putting other people's lives at risk as well um, in rough terrain. So, you know, understanding there is a balance to it and having respect for the system and just supporting it. Like if you think there's something wrong, do something to help fix it. That's how I got in the position I got in. Uh, It's really easy to sit behind a a computer and complain about what somebody else is doing rather than trying to find a solution and, and help fix the issue. Right. And I, and I think, too, so often that I think there's this false perception in terms of what we are privileged to in terms of knowing what the police are doing and what information that they have and how also Absolutely. by letting that information out can possibly hurt an investigation. I think the most recent case I can think of where that literally is what happened was the Idaho case, right, in, in Moscow. And so that poor sheriff, you know, that had to stand up there, you know, um, and be called horrific things by reporters and his constituents when he knew that they had a 
the person. They knew they had somebody, but they could not release that information because they were going to jeopardize their chances of actually putting that person in custody. And so I think that there is like this kind of weird combination of asking the questions and, 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 but then also trusting that something is happening. And, and I, and it's hard because, because I think, you know, we want answers quick, but what we don't, we tend to forget, right? Life isn't an SVU episode where it's <laughs> solved in 45 minutes, unfortunately. And in these I types of investigations, <laughs> absolutely, these types of investigations can take a long time. But I think and asking so those questions is really is important, important because even if you don't get an answer right then, the, at least you're pushing for it and it pu- it plants that seed for that person. Yeah. You know, and and it it lets them know that we care, right? It lets them know that we're Or maybe you came up with an idea that law enforcement or whoever you're speaking with, their agency, maybe they haven't thought of that yet, you know? And even if they still have to remain professional and poised, and they may not be able to say, hey, look, we messed up. We didn't think about that. I've had cases where the protocol, somebody slips up something, you know, and it's unfortunate when that happens, but they're human. They, you know... Yep, we all make mistakes. Yeah, and and, and their and their jobs are really high stakes. If they make yeah. mistakes, that's that's hard. And so yeah. you know, and we want to trust that it's it's a perfect system, but it's not. And so, at the end of the day, I'm I'm glad that you were there. I'm glad you were able to support Irene and be there for her and her family and and for missing people of Wyoming and watch that plea deal or plea being entered change and and seeing that justice being served yeah it was it was um i don't want to say it was a real treat but it was very nice and exciting to uh you know get out from home and and do something i don't typically partake in i usually just stay behind the the group and and stay at home dealing with the stuff but i thought it was worthwhile to go uh it's not far of a drive the weather's been good so yeah yeah. and that reminds me i wanted to plug in too that this coming week and so so this is, today is uh, 3.31, so it's a Friday. So next Thursday, April 6th, C Lemmering County Community College, which is the, the school that I work for, we are hosting uh, the Deneen Writer Series, and Elizabeth Smart is going to be coming to the Cheyenne Civic Center to be talking about her experience and her book, My Story, which is for my younger folks... I, and I laugh because my, my age, my listeners are 35 plus. So everybody, I feel like everybody who listens knows, but just in case. So Elizabeth Smart was a 14 year old girl who was kidnapped out of her window in the middle of the night and taken to the mountains to live with a very sick individual and his, and his wife and was moved from Salt Lake City to lot or California and back and um, for nine months she was held captive for nine long months and every possibly bad thing you can think of happened to her but she is an advocate for children who have experienced sexual assault and abuse and uh, especially for women defense training and everything like that and so she's an incredible advocate she has put in a lot of her time in in her resources into building programs to help young children make sure that they're aware of their surroundings it i'm really excited about this so if you're in the surrounding area and you it's a free event open to the public 
So make sure you get here early. It's at 6 p.m. on Thursday. And and I think a lot of us were alive and, you know, kind of like almost the same age as Elizabeth as she was going through that. that and Salt Lake, right? It's right next door. It's that was a it was a very scary experience. And I can't wait to hear her tell her her book is incredible if you haven't read it. Great Audible if and she she reads her book in her in her own words and, and everything. So I highly recommend it and we hope to see you there. Thanks for joining me this week, folks. If you have questions about any of the information on this episode or about the event next Thursday, please feel free to send me an email or a direct message and I'm happy to assist you. And again, if you have a case that you think I should cover, send it my way. Until next time.